Good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, we sure would love hearing from you. Go on, give us a call. It's 291-6901. And you put a 225 in front of that number. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. And we sure wish you would. And also always makes the show a lot more fun when we've got guests calling in. Yeah, instead of... You and I jabbering back and forth all hour. That's right. We can do it if you make us. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, give us a call. 291-6901. Got all our lines open. Put you right up at the top of the list. Couldn't be any easier. That's it. And here it is, a live show today. That's right. Well, we had two missed shows because of the we were on vacation for a week. And right. Then, and then the 4th of July. 4th of July happened to hit the next weekend. Right. So, uh just the way it happened to work out there. <laughs> I see. I see. We got uh, some of our lines lit up already. We got Mike online. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, gentlemen. I appreciate your show. I've learned a lot. Well, thank you. Thank you. I have a question. I have. I bought a used 2003 F150 uh-huh. with the 4.2 liter okay. and the, I think it's the FR70W four-speed transmission. 470. Four, right. Mm-hmm. And I am debating about taking about a 2,000-mile round trip with a couple of motorcycles on a trailer behind it. Mm-hmm. And my friend says that he's heard that that transmission has a lot of problems and that he thinks the motor stinks and that I'd be crazy to make this trip. Not really. I mean, the 4R70 is a pretty decent transmission. I'm not going to say I've never had them break, but no more than any other transmission out there. And really, I like the 4.2-liter V6 better than any engine yeah. Ford built. Yeah, that little V oh. that little four point two is a, a strong little motor. Yeah, I've seen countless numbers of them with three hundred thousand plus on them. I mean, Great. it just depends on the way the truck's been maintained up, up until the time you got it. And if you're not real sure about that, I would probably have someone that you know and trust do like a good general inspection of the vehicle, just kind of go through it and make sure everything's up to snuff. Nothing looks like it's pending to break. But that being said, I mean. I remember Josh at the shop, one of our guys at the shop, we had a customer who had pretty much that same truck, an 03 model with 4.2 in it. Yeah. And he had, what was it, 200 and... 250, 260, something like that Something on like that, 200,000 plus miles yeah. on it. And it quit pulling. It just didn't want to go anymore. And so he says, well, I'm not going to put a transmission in. I'm just going to junk the truck. So Josh, our transmission guy, says, well, I'll, how much you want for it? I think he bought that truck for, I don't know, 100 bucks or something. It wasn't much. Yeah, it got, got really, really cheap. Yeah. He drops the pan. The transmission filter is pretty much clogged up. He changes the filter, changes the fluid, and puts another 100,000 miles on it after that. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I tell you what, that, to me, is one of the last really good trucks Ford built. Yeah. After about 06 or 07, they start having a lot more trouble with, like, the five four three valve and all that. But, yeah, I really like six-on-the-motor, okay. motor, probably, probably my hey. favorite. Can I ask one other sure, question? Sure, go ahead. Another, mm-hmm. Okay, I have a, a 2007 Hyundai Tucson, and I bought used, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a 2.0, and I noticed if I drive very conservatively, mm-hmm. you know, inside the speed limit and everything, and when I do, it, the shifting is very sloppy, okay? But if I give it more gas mm-hmm. and then more aggressive, it shifts crisper. Is that normal? Yes. What it's going to do, it has adaptive learn. And if you drive very gingerly, it's going to soften up the shifts. It's going to shift faster. It's going to try to give you better mi- fuel mileage and more comfort. If you more aggressively drive it, it's going to boost the pressures up and you're going to get a much firmer shift. It's going to also shift later. It learns that. It's going to adapt to the way you drive. And there's a most of the shifts that it's made is under low load, low pressure. Then it's going to shift sooner. 
It's going to shift softer and all that, which is good because that's easier on the transmission. But like I said, as soon as it starts seeing heavier throttle, then it's going to start bringing those shifts up a little bit higher to RPM, and it's going to shift a lot firmer. Okay. So that is pretty much normal for the design. And and just it seems like when I shift very uh, when I'm very conservative, it's it's not only is it sloppy, but it seems like there's a little bit of possible slippage that doesn't occur when I'm a little more aggressive. Hmm. Yeah, it may have a slight slip built into it just to make a more comfortable shift. Again, what they're doing, they're looking at the factors and it says, okay, this is a low load situation. Let's shift sooner to get better fuel mileage, and let's shift softer to make the driver feel better. So it may allow it to slip a little bit between shifts and all that, whereas if it sees more of a loaded performance-type situation, it's going to stretch those shifts out. It's going to shift harder. You know, it's going to be a much more firm engagement. Right. I don't foresee that as a problem. I mean, has it been serviced before? How many miles are right now, Mike? Well, when I bought it, it was about 68,000, okay. and I, I've actually done about three or four drain and refill okay okay and it just it, it's improved a little bit mm-hmm. you know but it's still i think there's like a torque shutter at 30 miles an hour okay now are you uh, using the hyundai fluid did you buy no. the fluid? yeah you might yeah. want to go back to hyundai because they've got several different specific fluids for their different models most of them use like a diamond three i think they call it but there's just yeah. they got several different fluids kind of expensive but that fluid will probably take that shutter out it may definitely increase that shift quality also Okay, I'll give that a shot. Mm-hmm. Where are you Thank calling you from, Mike? I appreciate it. Florida, Fort Lauderdale. Okay, oh, great. okay, great. How's the weather over there? Hot, hot, and warm <laughs> and humid, just like where you guys. <laughs> you got that right. Yeah. Okay, Mike. Right. Thanks for calling me. Thank you. Bye. 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 All right. Two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we would love to have you. And we're going back to line with Donald. Good morning, Donald. Good morning, Gus. Yes, I didn't sir. realize y'all were all across the nation. Well, of course. Well, actually, <laughs> and the world. I was say, and around the world. That was great. A Baton Rouge guy all around the world. That's right. <laughs> uh, a few weeks ago, you were talking about the detergents and all in the gasoline. Mm-hmm. That was enough to clean the injectors and all that. Correct. Is that the same with the diesels? Well, the diesels, you you got to go back to exactly what year models and all that that you're talking about. On the older diesels, they were designed to run on a higher sulfur fuel than what's available today. Well, I got the 07, 07 oh. Chevy. Yeah, that'll probably yeah, run that. fine on the low sulfur fuel. There's a company called Standine that uh-huh. makes a lot of the pumps and a lot of the injectors for the OEM. Standine makes a chemical that you can add to your fuel if you feel like you need something else. And I don't endorse many additives at all, but Standine, all the big three endorse it. They say it's fine. And you don't, you don't use a whole, whole lot, but if you feel like you need a little something extra, you add about two ounces of this stuff to 30 gallons, and you don't even have to do it every tank full, maybe every other tank full or every third tank full. And that'll give you just a bit more if you feel like you need it. But for the most part, if you're buying a good grade of fuel, you're going to be fine. Yeah, well, I mean, to me, the truck's running great. Mm-hmm. I bought it used, and it's in great shape. So. Yeah, I got to say, I like that GM diesel probably better than any of the other late model diesels. Now, the old Ford right. 7.3 was great, but, I mean, they hadn't, they hadn't yeah. had a winner since then. But I find, yeah, I've seen less trouble out of that Duramax than any of them. It just seems to be a really good little motor. It, at first, they had a few issues, but they got those worked out, and uh, we really don't right. see much trouble out of that engine at all. What about the oil changes on it? 
to stick with the 3,000? Yeah, it just depends on the way you're using the truck, Donald. I mean, if your average trip is fairly short, like 10 miles or less, then I'd be swapping out probably right three grand. If you're going from here to Colorado, I mean, you could probably put five, 6,000 miles with no problem because okay. it's, it's well, hot. I and, what I'm doing. I, I drive 120 back and forth to work. Oh, yeah. Interstate miles. Oh, you, you could probably push it out a little bit because yeah. it's got probably, what, eight quarts of oil in there? Yeah. So you got a little extra oil capacity anyway. And when you're running at full speed for a long period of time, you're 120 miles, you're talking at least two hours of driving. Right. It gets to full operating temperature. The oil gets to full temperature. It's going to boil all the moisture out. It's going to get sucked out of the engine. So that's ideal yeah. conditions. You could probably push it out a little longer. Most people don't drive that way. Most people drive around town, and, and they need the more uh, frequent oil changes. I'm, I'm driving a lot of miles. I've, I've only had it a few months. Mm-hmm. I've put 12,000, 13,000. Oh, yeah, that, that's wow. great, man. That's probably yeah. – that thing will last forever under those conditions. That's where diesel really shines. That's what it's designed for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So what, maybe 5,000? Yeah, you should be able to go five without yeah. too much trouble, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I appreciate it. Okay. Have a good day. Okay, Thank man. You. I mean, I'm in Hammond, Louisiana. I'm a local guy. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for calling, Donald. Thank you. Uh, bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number if you want to be part of the Automotive Hire. Just in case you don't want to call in or need to hit us another way. That's right. You can go to the website, get your questions answered that way. That's right. We're going to take our quick little break and be right back with more. Phew, I had a bad dream last night. Girl, me too. I was out on a date with Matthew McConaughey. Well, that doesn't sound too bad. But literally. All he could say was, all right, all right, all right. Still, it's... In auto-tune. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Over and over and over. Oh, it was a nightmare. What about you? I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at AGCO, which cost me thousands in repair. Now that's scary. AGCO Automotive's general inspection is the best way to make sure your car performs at its peak and you're not surprised by any major repairs. Bring your vehicle in once a year and we'll recommend any maintenance. We can even help decide if it's worth fixing or time for you to purchase another. My dream was scary, but yours was, uh, all wrong, all wrong, all wrong. (laughs) Okay, are you finished now? Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersand, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call, 291-6901. And should you happen not to make it today or maybe think of something after we go off the air, you can always go to our website, get your questions answered that way. The address is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There is a contact bar on each and every page. Click the button, fill out the form, and send it in. There you go. It couldn't be easier. And if you want to avail yourself of that service, there's no charge for it. Just exactly. free and available to you. You know, you get go. some unbiased advice. And that is kind of the, I guess, the, the keynote of everything that we do. I get a lot of requests from different sponsors who they'll say, well, would you do an interview with this da-da-da-da-da, or uh-huh. will you do this, this, that, and the other? And I always ask the questions, okay, who's putting this on and what's going to be on here? And are there going to be links to other products and all that? And if it's going to be a link to something that I don't necessarily support or endorse, I won't do the interview. Sure. Just because I don't want to feel like my name is going to be tied to something that I don't necessarily endorse. And that's not to say that 
these products are bad or whatever, but if I don't know about them or I don't believe in them, I'm not going to endorse them. Correct. That's opposed to a lot of what you get in the media. They are being sponsored. Sure. And so they are going to talk very positively about whatever, whoever sponsors them. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know I've listened to some other radio programs across the country, and you can always tell the ones that are sponsored because just about every problem will be solved by whatever, <laughs> whatever selling on that chemical yeah. or potion or, or right. a parts store or whoever might be sponsoring that particular show. So that's one thing a little bit different from us. And we don't really have an agenda here. No. I don't benefit one way or the other from the advice that we give folks. And I think that is probably the best way. One thing I always tell people, if you are – out of town or out of your normal little environment and let's say you break down or you need to have auto service done find someone who does not benefit from the recommendation correct there's someone who is not tied to he's not going to make anything one way or the other and that is not necessarily who you believe sometimes for instance I know sometimes, and, and certainly this is not every person but as a generalization a lot of time a car will break down they call a record driver and they'll ask the record driver, where should I bring it? Right. And that's okay. I'm sure there are thousands and thousands of honest record drivers out there, but there are also so some record drivers who get a commission or a fee for recommending people to a certain shop. And they may sound very believable. Hey, I'll take you to my buddy's shop. Da, da, da. He does very good work. He's very reasonable. He's honest and all that. Well, that may be a paid endorsement. I'm not saying it is, but it may be. So you have to sort of kind of take that with a little bit of a grain of salt. Another thing is if you ask someone oh, with a vested interest, for instance, let's say you call a parts store, well, they're generally going to refer you to one of their customers, sure. you know, one of their better customers, the one who buys most parts from them. So how might you get some unbiased advice under those conditions? Well, and it depends on what type of service you need. That's right. One thing that I've always said, if you find someone who does not render the service you want, for instance, let's say you fear your transmission may have gone out in your car. Well, what you might do is get in the phone book or Google or whatever in the area and find someone who does not do that type of work at all. Maybe a guy who does cooling system work or a guy does front end alignments. Mm -hmm. Call him and ask him, hey, if your mother's car broke down, where would you send her? Because that guy doesn't have any reason to tell you one way or the other. Right. And most likely, he's in the automotive business. He pretty much knows. Most of us know who's the guys that really know what they're doing and who doesn't. And he's more likely to give you an unbiased answer. Another thing you could do is call a dealership that does not service the type of car that you have. For instance, if you've got a Chevrolet, maybe call a Ford dealership and ask them, hey, you know, if your mother's car broke down, where would you refer? Now, you got to be a little leery there because some car dealers own multiple lines now. So if you call XYZ Ford and they send you to XYZ GM, you got to kind of take that with a little grain of salt. Another thing is you don't want to necessarily call one person and just go with that. Right. Make a a few calls. Make a few calls, three, four, whatever. And if one guy's name maybe pops up more than once, that's chances are, likely, yeah, yeah that, that's a pretty good recommendation. Another thing you could do is if someone does refer someone to you, for instance, maybe the guy at the hotel says, well, yeah, I use this guy down the street, da, 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 and I'm very pleased with him. Uh-huh. Okay, well, then call his competition and ask them what they think. Now, you got to remember, you're calling the guy's competition, so they're not going to give you a glowing recommendation. Right. But 
basically all you want to know is two things. Is he honest and is he technically competent? And if the answer to that is yes, well, then that's probably the guy that you're looking for. And again, you're not going to get a glowing recommendation. What I have noticed a lot of times when you call a company's competition, what they'll say is something, oh, well, they're kind of high, you know? Yeah. And if they can't say anything else, that's what they're going to say. <laughs> because, I mean, the word high is a very relative term. Everybody thinks everybody else is too high, and, sure. and, and everybody thinks whatever they charge is not enough. And, I mean, that's just the way the world works. But if they don't say, well, you know, he's a crook, don't go there. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, again, that's one thing we always invite people who are thinking about using our server. Hey, call our, call our competitors. Sure. Call anybody in this town and ask them, is he honest? And does he know what he's talking about? Is he technically competent? And I think they're going to tell you, yeah, on both of those. And if they don't, then call me and let me know. Yeah. We need to make Because <laughs> I'm going to check calls. into it. Yeah, that's right. But that's the, the kind of thing. You're looking for some unbiased advice. Right. And I had a gentleman who had written to me earlier in the week, and he says, I noticed that on your show. He says, you're kind of critical of a lot of products. I said, right. well, I don't really mean to be, but what I'm trying to do is give you as realistic a portrayal of things as I can from what I know exists. For instance, he, one example he used is, well, if I put a cheap battery in my car and it leaks, it gets a little acid on the frame rail, he says, that's not a big deal. It's probably not going to Well, okay, maybe so. But then if that acid runs down onto an aluminum air conditioning line. Eats a hole in it. It's going to eat a hole into it real, real quick. Sure. If it runs to the wiring harness, it's going to take the harness out. If it runs on the computer or transmission computer, like on a Honda S right underneath the battery, that's going to be a big, big, big deal. Is it going to happen every time? No, absolutely not. But are the, ch- the odds of it happening less better with a big better battery yes they are so again my overall point with this show you know this is not necessarily a show about auto repair this is a show about overall lowest cost sure how to get from point a to point b for the overall lowest cost and that particular style is not going to be everybody's i mean not everybody cares about that some people you know they like a new car and yeah i've got a friend who buys a new car every year or, or leases a new car every year right that's what he likes. God bless him. He can afford it. Let him do it. You know, I don't, I don't try to talk him out of it or anything. That's works for you. I'm, I'm happy for you. It's just not the lowest price way of doing the thing. Right. And, and once you learn this operation, or mm-hmm. for lack of a mm-hmm. better word, you can move it on to every other aspect of your life. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, I since I've been working there, I've started doing that mm-hmm. with the things I do in my life. And I tell you what, it sure works out a lot better. It really does because in the long run. What you're doing, and this all comes back from when I was educated, working with Dr. W. Edwards Deming, that was his philosophy, his overall lowest cost. In other words, not the lowest price, but the overall lowest cost. And that's a little bit misleading because sometimes a lower price product is the right product. Mm-hmm. This week we had a lady came in and she had a little Mazda of some sort and had a little broken taillight lens. Right. And right. from Mazda, that part was like 300 hundred and forty five dollars okay for a little piece of plastic which i think is ludicrous but that's what they charge now there are some aftermarket replacements for that in the sixty dollar range sure now in that particular case because the risks are fairly low and the reward is significant sure go with the cheaper part sure why wouldn't you because if you had to change five or six of them you'd still be dollars ahead exactly and the odds of that hurting anything else in the car are almost nil right so that's a chance where you would go with the lower cost uh, offering, lower which is the cheaper part. However, let's go back to just the battery because okay. that was what this gentleman happened to bring up. 
So you save $20 on a battery. It leaks acid. It gets down, say, on the computer, the transmission computer. Well, that's $1,000 worth of repair. Let's say it gets on an air conditioning line. You could easily be $2,000 worth of repair to save $20. 20 bucks, yeah. That's it's not worth it. kind of upside down. It just doesn't make sense. And the same sort of philosophy can even work. Like we've talked about this on the show before. Let's say you've got a misfire in your car. You got a little rough mm-hmm. idle or a little misfire, a little stumble. You look at the plug wires and they look pretty old. And you know the plugs have a hundred thousand plus miles on it. And you can do that work yourself. And it needs to be done anyway. Why not? Exactly. Right. You can do it yourself. Go buy a set of plugs, buy a set of plug wires, change those out, and see if it fixes the problem. Sure. That makes sense because it needed doing anyway. Right. You can do it yourself. You're not investing a huge, so your risk are very low. If it fixes the problem, you're home free. If it doesn't, you're really not out anything. Exactly. Now you just take it to the shop, get the problem diagnosed. But let's go on another tangent. Let's say the car won't start and you don't have any way to test it. You don't know what it is. Well, you don't just go throw a fuel pump at it and hope that fixes it or put a computer in it and hope that fixes it because those things cost hundreds and hundreds of dollars. If you get a substandard one, you create more problems and you have a fairly low chance of fixing anything because there's probably three or 400 things that can keep that car from starting. Exactly. This is one of those. Right. And you always get the, well, such and such that it might be this. Well, yeah, well, it might be anything. It might be all kinds of stuff. Right. <laughs> yeah. But the point is you got to weigh out your costs and your benefit. And that's the way things work with, with pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. I do that again in my life where I don't buy a lot of property insurance. I buy liability insurance. Right. Because with liability, if I were to make a mistake, I may not be able to recover from that. I don't have enough money to pay for that. So I have to buy insurance to cover it. Mm-hmm. But I drive older cars. I'm a pretty darn good driver. So the odds of me having an accident are pretty low. If I do have an accident, buying another car is not going to wipe me out because right. my car is probably worth $3,000 maybe tops. Right. Now, obviously, if you got a brand new car that costs sixty grand, you owe fifty five well, at the bank, then you got to yeah. insure it. You got to insure it because the bank requ- requires it. That's right. But see, I don't have to because my risks are low and the reward is pretty good. Mm-hmm. I save enough money. to more Over the years, I've saved way enough money to buy several more cars if I need right. to buy them. So I don't have to carry that. So it's just, again, that's another your rendition of the same type of philosophy. Hey, we're going to take one more quick little break, but we will be right back with a whole lot more. I had a bad dream the other night. Oh, me too. I was abducted by aliens, but they weren't little green men. They looked more like a cross between a chicken and a gremlin. Like the 80s movie? Yeah, so they take me up to this spaceship and onto this theater stage, and in the audience sits all the cats of my ex-girlfriends, and they're just sitting there judging me. Even Mr. Piddles, who I actually kind of liked. Oh, uh, what was your dream? I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at ATCO and my car broke down. Now that's scary. Hey, at ATCO Automotive, we know it's hard to keep up with maintenance. What do I do at 15,000 miles? What do I do at 75? We recommend an annual general inspection. Just pick a month and bring in the vehicle. We'll give it the once-over and can recommend any maintenance you may need before something causes bigger problems down the road. So did they take you to their leader? No, they made me watch a cat video reenactment of Steel Magnolias. It was horrible. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Noise of the 
Hey, welcome back to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, tune to us. We'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us calls? 291 6901. And coming up right after, not right after our show, but at noon today uh-huh. on this station for local listeners, Bill Profita on the Saturday Style Show is going to have Baton Rouge Chief of Police Carl Dabity and Colonel Mike Edmondson, I think is a spokesman for the police department. State Police Department? Yeah, uh, come on and inter- have an interview. So if you want to, you're interested in those type of current events that are going on, you might want to tune in yeah. for that. It'd be real good. It's coming up at noon following our show, a little bit after our show. Right. And that's... For all the local folks who might want to tune into that, we were talking a bit about overall lowest costs and those sorts of things. And a lot of times people say, well, all I want to know is how to do da-da-da-da-da. And what they don't understand is they're looking for a very simple answer to an extremely, extremely complex issue. Yes. You may say, well, I don't want to learn chemistry and biology and physiology and anatomy. I just want to remove this brain tumor I've got. Yeah. <laughs> and it's almost to that extent. It is. You know, it's an extremely auto repair today is an extremely, extremely complex yes. operation and just diagnosing problems can just get you into so, so much trouble. And it's not that we want to sound negative or we want to discourage people from trying. There are things you can do, and there are things you can learn. But you have to start out at ground zero learning how to use a voltmeter, when to use a voltmeter, what kind of voltmeter, what voltage is, what amperage is, what ohms are. You need to understand all these things, what a voltage drop test is. Even just trying to learn how to use a a voltmeter Mm -hmm. will will take you – under a normal amount of time this could take you several hours because just to acquire if, that skill if you do not understand what you're reading on the screen you right. can go off in a in a direction and be lost forever well and without that you're pretty much gonna i mean it's not yeah, that's, much that's diagnostic basic. that is so very very basic yes. you're gonna have to learn those kind of skills before you can move on to the other things just like a doctor has to learn the chemistry and the anatomy and the biology right. and all those things before he can start cutting on people right hey let's take a few of our phone calls right. we've got curtis online good morning curtis Good morning. I've got a question. I've got a 08 Tahoe that uses or can use the flex fuel. Okay. Uh, the flex fuel is obviously cheaper, mm-hmm. but will I get better gas mileage in the regular ethanol base? Or- you're going to get considerably less mileage on the flex fuel, Curtis. I don't think you're going to get enough mileage. I mean, enough. I don't think you're going to save enough money. You could do the math. Roughly, what you have to remember is that ethanol has about 33% less right. energy per volume than gasoline has. So okay. when you go to 10% ethanol, you're going to lose that much. When you go to 85%, you lose that much more. So gotcha. engine efficiency is going to drop considerably. And even though it's less expensive, and I really, the only reason it's less expensive is because government subsidizing, because all is so cheap right now. I mean, I just can't see any reason to use it at all. Right. If I use this, the, you know, the basic ethanol gas, mm-hmm. or if, if I use this, the real gas, mm-hmm. non-ethanol, Will I see a significant increase in my miles per tank in real gas versus? No, you're going to get about two? about three point three percent increase. Thirty percent less energy per volume in ethanol, and this is ten percent. So you lose about three point three percent. The problem that I've always seen, Curtis, with the stations that purportedly sell the true gasoline today, they're always like little off the brands type stations. I've never seen like an Exxon or a Chevron or like that, and they usually like little small stations. I'm just not sure what the volume of fuel they're handling there. I think right. you may pick up more issues with that than you would save by using it. I think I'd just go with 10% ethanol and just keep the car maintained, and you'll be good. 
Okay. Well, All right. I appreciate it. All right, Curtis. Thanks, man. Thank bye bye. All right, two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, Eye, we would love to have you. And we got Tim on the line. Good morning, Tim. Good morning, Lewis. I have one of these small battery packs that you can crank your car if yes, your battery's sir. dead. Mm-hmm. I am needing to clean the terminals on my battery. Is there a way I can connect that so I don't lose the information in my computer if I do try to clean the terminals and I was worried I may damage something if I put too much voltage there. No, no, you can't hurt anything. What kind of vehicle are we talking about? It's a Honda Ridgeline 2008. Mm-hmm. All right. I believe the Honda has a distribution center under the hood, and it has a big main cable that comes off of the battery and goes to that distribution center with a post. You could hook your positive there and then take and hook your ground lead to the block somewhere, and then you should be fine to take the battery terminals off one at a time and clean them and put them back on. Okay. Would that be located real near the battery? It could be. I'm not sure on the ridge line. It's under the hood somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, if if that's not available, then you could possibly go to the back of the alternator if you could get to it. That big terminal. The big terminal on the alternator. You okay. could You could put your positive lead there. Alternatively, you can also go to the starter, and that main right. lead on the starter goes straight to the battery. Now, you can okay. just hook it to the battery terminal. It just is kind of cumbersome working right. with that clamp on there, and you're trying to jiggle it around, and sometimes it's, it pops off. Yeah, and you it's, it's been my purpose. experience. They pop off of there So if you easy. can find a source of something tied directly to the battery and hook in there rather than at the battery, it's just a lot easier to work with. Great. Okay, right. I was just worried about damage. Thank no, you, you can't hurt it. Thanks, Tim. No. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I've got a bunch of lines open. We'll be glad to try to help you out. Why don't you give us a call? And we've got CJ's been patiently holding. Good morning, CJ. Uh, good morning. How are you fellas? Doing wonderful, Doing great. Well, first of all, I'd like to express I really enjoy your program every week. Thank I'm you. I'm an avid listener. And the question I have is that I have a 2001 Dodge Durango, mm-hmm. and I would like to flush this the water Cooler? The radiator, yes, the whole sir. system. Mm-hmm. Now, it has a rear heater on it. Mm-hmm. Now, if I drain the radiator and, and let all the water flow out, I know all the water is not going to be that is correct. displaced. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm using distilled water. Mm-hmm. If I fill the, the engine and the radiator back up with distilled water, let's say for about a two-week time, would it do I have to maintain yeah. the... the antifreeze yeah no you don't want to do that cj because what you'd be doing then is diluting all the corrosion protection of what remains in the system and there's always going to be something remaining in the system so you'd be better off to leave a little bit of depleted coolant than you would pure water okay so what i would recommend instead is if you want to kind of be scientific about it you can look up how much coolant that engine holds it'll there's specification i'll tell you exactly how much it holds when you drain it measure how much comes out that way you know about what percentage you're getting out now if you're getting close to 80 percent out then no big deal because that's going to be great if you're getting closer to 40 50 percent out then you're going to have to do something different but you undo the lower radiator hose at the radiator let all that drain and then check the engine block and see a lot of them have a plug of some sort you can take out where you can drain the engine block that's going to get a high high percentage out if you can't do that the best alternative thing to do is to go ahead get out as much as you can fill it with a 50 50 coolant distilled water mix run it for about two weeks and then come back and do it again 
And even though you're wasting a little bit of coolant doing that, it's just a lot, lot safer because if you dilute down the corrosion protection with pure water and then you go back, you're going to have an out-of-balance mixture in your system. And then that's the worst possible thing. How many cycles would you recommend to get, let's say, the majority of it out? As far as just driving it, probably if you drove it about two weeks, that would be that's going to get out. It's going to dilute and mix and, and get what you want. If you drained out a second time, I'd say two times. Again, depending on what percentage you're getting out. Okay. You know, if you're getting close to fifty percent the first time, and you do that, you're going to probably have close to eighty percent the second time. That's going to be more than adequate. That little twenty percent remains will be irrelevant. Now, if you can only get out thirty percent, well, then you might want to do it three times. If you get out. 75 80 percent the first time probably not necessary okay well i appreciate it and, all right um enjoy your show all right thank cj you. thanks for calling man thank you sir mm-hmm. bye-bye. bye-bye all right 291-6901 is the number if you want to be part of the automotive hour we would love to have you you know that's a that's a system that gets neglected quite often it does get neglected and unfortunately they get serviced improperly so much i've seen people put the wrong coolant in it the wrong type of coolant in it i've seen city water use city water i've seen them not mix the coolant try to flush the system out and run pure water through right which flushes all the corrosion protection out but it doesn't get all the water out when you drain it so, so now gotta- when you put a 50 50 mix in you're ending up with more like a a 40-60 yeah, or something 40, like 60 that. type mix, which doesn't have adequate corrosion resistance. And with coolant, in South Louisiana, freezing is not going to be no, an issue. No. Even depleted coolant will probably protect you down to close to zero. Coolant that's 7, 8, 9, 10 years old, we'll the, the ethylene glycol is not going to go away. The freeze protection will still be there. What depletes is the corrosion protection. Correct. When the corrosion protection goes away, the pH on the coolant starts to drop. You know, brand new coolant has what they call reserve alkalinity. New coolant will be up around 8 to 8.5 eight on a pH scale. As the combustion process and wear and tear and all the things that occur occur, that pH will start to drop. It'll come down to 7 or so, which is neutral. When it's at 7, it's about time to change it sure. because now it's neutral. The reserve alkalinity is used up. Now, if it drops below 7, it's becoming acidic. And everybody knows what happens when you put acid on active metals like Correct. aluminum. You're going to start to cause corrosion. It's going to start to eat up the system. And what happens is that because you have dissimilar metals and you have a corrosive liquid, you're basically building a big battery. Sure. And so one part's going to be the cathode, the other part's going to be the anode, and it's going to start transferring metal electrons. That's just what a battery does. You can take a voltmeter on a depleted system, touch one terminal to the positive terminal of your battery, drop the other one in the neck of the radiator. Into the coolant. In the coolant itself, touching the coolant, right. and you'll see it'll be producing a half to three-quarters of a volt. Right, and that is doing damage to the system internally. Exactly right. It's a big battery at that point, and it's starting to eat away the metals in the systems. And I've had people tell me, well, I've never heard of that. Well, a lot of things you've probably never heard of. And back in the day when you had a cast iron engine and a copper radiator. Right. You it didn't really, see it that much. Yeah, those it didn't are, matter. Those are inert metals. They're not active metals. So that was going to not occur at all. Or if it occurred at all, it was going to happen at a very, very, very slow pace to where it wasn't going to be an issue. But cars today are basically aluminum, which sure. is a highly reactive metal. It's an active metal. So, Well, you still got aluminum. You got it. Uh, cast iron blocks you got aluminum heads you got aluminum radiators mm-hmm. now 
So, yeah, there, there's a ton more of aluminum in a car now than there used to be. Right, and that's all very, very highly reactive metals that when you get a corrosive liquid, it's going to start to eat these things away. And newer cars being what they are, a lot of this stuff is tucked under the dash. Like, sure. say, a heater core. I mean, I can remember back 20 years ago when changing a heater core on a Chevy pickup truck was yeah. about a two-hour job. Right. And, and not even that bad of a job. But let's yeah. say you get a lincoln mkz now it's a full days to day well, and a half two the entire job. dash the steering column the seats everything have to come out of the car the evaporator case has to be removed it has to be broken open you have to discharge the air conditioner right then you can get to the heater core and you put it in there you put it all back together well you've eaten up 12 maybe 15 hours Easily. of time and if you didn't take care of the problem it's going to happen it's coming, again it's coming back right because a ruptured heater core is almost always going to be a symptom of a problem and not the problem itself correct you have a electrolysis going on which is extremely difficult to get rid of and once you once you get it it's kind of like some infections that get into your body it's just not that easy to get rid of them right if you don't eliminate the base cause then that heater core that new one you're putting in there is going to go right back out again yes it will I had a fella call me earlier in the week, and I put three heater cores in my car, and they keep going out. Where can I get a better heater core? Yeah. Well. <laughs> it's not that. Yeah, it's kind of the guy that wants to do brain surgery and don't want to learn. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so, well, it's just not quite that simple. But, hey, we're going to take one more quick little break. We'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. I had a bad dream the other night. Can't be worse than mine. I was buried up to my neck in the desert, surrounded by an army of prairie dogs, and their leader rides up. Rides? Yep. It's Yule Brenner, and he orders me to eat this huge mound of candy corn. So all the prairie dogs line up and feed it to me piece by piece. I'll never look at that Halloween confectionery the same again. What about you? Well, I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at Agco, and my car left me stranded on I-10. Now that's scary. Agco Automotive is here with the best way to keep up with car maintenance. Get our annual general inspection. You pick the month, we check out your vehicle and recommend any maintenance you may need, which can save you costly repairs down the road. That was a freaky dream. Were you on medication, or did you eat anything strange? Uh, yeah, I actually ate a whole bag of candy corn left over from Halloween. 2014. Oh. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co-pilot seat. Hey, between two of us, we're trying to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you give us a call? 291-6901. Just in case you don't get a chance to call in or something occur to you later on. Or even next week at midnight. There you go. You can always get your questions answered on our website, which is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There's a contact bar on each and every page. Just click the button, bring up a little form to fill out, and fill out the form with the, the make and the model and the complaint of your vehicle and mm-hmm. send it on in. There you go. And, you know, we were talking earlier in the show, a guy was saying, well, I know y'all we got calls from all over the country, and uh-huh. we said, well, we get calls questions from all, from all over the world. world. Right. And I've got an email here from gentleman Mark Wadham in London, England. Wow. And he wrote in, he's got a Volkswagen Passat, and he was wondering if there was some type of an algorithm where you could calculate how often you should change your oil based uh-huh. on several different factors and stuff. And 
while I'm really not aware of a precise algorithm, there are some things. Some people use the amount of fuel used. Okay. And I've got an article on my website uh, that concerns that. And you might type in like all change recommendation or something and read through the articles. There's one in there. And some of the big trucking companies will use that as opposed to the number of miles driven. For instance, when the truck is heavily loaded, it's going to burn more fuel. Sure. If it sits idling, it's going to burn more fuel. So they base their oil change on the amount of fuel the truck uses. And because the driver uses a car to buy fuel, they know they know how much fuel is being put into this unit. And so every time he swipes his card and charges up a load of fuel, it keeps track of it. And he swipes his card and it says, hey, have the oil changed. Right. And it's based on the amount of fuel used. So it's kind of a better system than miles because you can drive the same number of miles and have two totally different all change needs. Well, they know that big truck is going to be in the road. Mm-hmm. They know the miles that he puts on that truck are going to be highway miles. Mm-hmm. But the same thing about me, if I drive my truck back and forth to work at five miles each way, okay. by the time I get 3,000 miles on that truck, that all is 100% depleted, contaminated, ready to be changed, and probably doing damage to my car. Right. However, if I got in the same exact truck and I drove it from Baton Rouge to Los Angeles and back, I might put 3,000 miles on it, but my oil is going to still look almost like new. Sure. Because that is a different driving style. And if I look at the amount of fuel used between those two things, I might see a very different picture because those little short trips used up a lot more fuel in those 3,000 miles than I did going from a steady baton rouge right. to california on the interstate driving a steady speed all the time so that was just one of the things that i wanted to get into with him he was also asking he says because he's driving a diesel are diesels easier or harder on oil okay i said well i would i've never really seen anything specifically addressing that but i would think because a diesel has much more compression it would probably be a little tougher on oil than a gasoline engine now most diesel models have more oil in them Right, and they, they also have a different grade of oil. In they it. use a different type of oil, and they hold more oil. The amount of oil you use is going to affect the oil change interval because sure. a car like, let's say some of your Nissans only hold three and a half quarts of oil. Well, that's going to deplete a whole lot faster than a car that holds 10 quarts of oil. Sure. You know, the more oil that's there, the more additives that are there to be used up, so the longer it's going to take to deplete that. And he also asked if the speed that you drove was a factor. And he says, in other words, if he's driving 60 miles an hour, if he sped up to, say, 80 miles an hour, would okay. that make it easier or harder? And I would think that once you start to drive, the difference between, say, 60 and 80 miles an hour is going to be insignificant. Much, right. Yeah, it's more time is going to be the factor. Well, and terrain. Right. The, the time that you drive the car, because all has to reach a certain temperature before it's going to start to boil the moisture out. But it has to hold that temperature for a long period of time. If you ever put a pot of water on the stove and you turn it on and you watch it start to boil, it doesn't all go away instantly when it starts to boil. Right. If it sits there and boils for a couple of hours, eventually all the water will go away because the steam rises up and, and it leaves nothing in the pan. You'll eventually boil the pan dry if you right. do it long enough. Same thing with water in the oil in the engine. It's going to take a period of time for all of that moisture to boil out. Just hitting the proper temperature is not going to do it by itself. Right. You have to maintain it. That's right. And the longer you drive, so time is more of a factor. But I just thought it was a really good question, and it's kind of indicative of some of the questions we get. And like I said, this was from London, England. 
but we get questions all all over the world. I mean, I get stuff from Manila, Philippines. I get stuff from Australia, Australia, lots from Canada. Of course, most of those are English speaking countries, so Correct. it would be obvious that that would be the people who would more address yeah. questions to us but i've gotten stuff from germany i've sure. gotten stuff from a lot of countries where english is not the primary language and cars are basic around the world i mean they're basically the same unit the way you go about repairing them is different mm-hmm. but a car is a car in general the yeah way it's used. the kinds of problems that people see vary a little bit from area to area but they pretty much the same and because this podcast goes out on the internet and it's on itunes and it's on stitcher and it's on podcast and podbean and all those it goes all over the world sure and the vast majority of listeners we have are not in the Baton Rouge market. Although we love mm-hmm. our Baton Rouge listeners, the vast majority of listeners are all over the world. Sure. And I know I look at the a number of downloads that show gets. When we upload a new program, almost immediately we'll get almost 3,000 downloads from all around the world. Wow. Then the remainder of the week, you get more and more and more and more. So. The 3,000 you get initially are probably folks who are subscribed, and Correct. as soon as it goes out, it downloads to whatever device they're using. But, yeah, the vast majority of folks are not in our local market, but all over the world. And I think that's a, that's a good compliment to I, us. That I think it's they're great. Interested, yeah, that they're interested in what's going on here. Right. <laughs> and that's why a lot of our content is local. We try to talk about local sure. stuff for the local people. But a lot of it is more generic, too, so that it – pertains to our bigger audience which is pretty much the, the world. worldwide audience. <laughs> that's exactly right so anyway we touched on our concept of overall lowest cost right and how that pertains to pretty much everything in your life and it can be the same thing even when you look at buying a car not everybody's going to need the same car a lot of times folks will ask what's a good car and the answer gotta, is, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? That's right. Because each and every car is designed for not a specific purpose, but it leans towards a purpose. Sure. I mean, you don't want to go out and buy an F-350 if you're going back and forth to the in town store. to the grocery store all the That's time. That's right. That would be silly. But if you wanted to pull a 10,000-pound gooseneck across the country. That would be a perfect truck for it. It would be very, very good. You wouldn't right. want a Toyota Prius for that. Right. And you know the type of car that's going to be considered perfect for you is one that matches your needs correct now the problem is i know my granddaddy who was a very very wise man he used to always harp on the fact that don't let your wants get above your needs okay and that's what people do a lot of times and that's what marketing is all about sure is convincing you that you 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 need need this this and, and right in reality you don't need it you want it right for instance i've heard people say i need a new car well, well not necessarily. what you need is transportation. You need to get from point A to point B. What you may want is a new car. Right. And if that's what you want and that's what you can afford, God bless you, get it. But if you're looking for overall lowest cost, that may not be your best decision. Mm-hmm. You may be better off with a three-year-old car with a few miles because you're going to buy it for about half price. Right. So and you're going to save that right off the top. Right off the top. If you take and bank that money, put that in a CD or something, you have enough more than enough money to pay for anything that's ever going to break on that car sure not ever going to have that many repairs on it and just the type of car that you buy again it's getting a good match if you want a performance car then you're not going to be very happy with a honda civic right by the same token if you want an economy car you're not likely going to be happy with an stx cadillac Mm -hmm. you know it's, it's just different vehicles made for different purposes 
I always use the analogy because when you start talking about dogs, people get it. There are hundreds of breeds of dogs, maybe thousands, and some people are going to want a Yorkshire Terrier right. because right. they want a little small dog they can hold and cuddle and all that stuff. Maybe it's going to live inside the house. Other people are going to want a Great Dane. Right. Now, one is not better than another, They're but they are different. two totally different animals for two totally different purposes. Exactly. And if you live in a one-bedroom apartment in the city. A Great Dane may not be a perfect match. Probably <laughs> is not the good best match. By the same token, if you live out in the country and you're looking for protection, a chihuahua is probably not going to be your best choice. <laughs> yeah, if you want something that's going to fit. Yeah. Although some of them think they're uh, they're great day well, worthy. Well, you know? some chihuahuas I've met think they're 10-foot tall, bulletproof, and invisible. There you, you go. <laughs> hey, there you go. There you go. Hey, I see we have used up another entirely good hour there. We're going to start backing on out of here and tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this Saturday morning and every Saturday morning on Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. And tell your friends and get some more people listening go to your favorite broadcast service and find the written review and and fill it out for us that's right if there's a place for a written review if you'll fill that out and give us a rating it'll, it'll help us out or at least if you give us a good rating it'll help us out yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> give, us, give us a bad rating <laughs> just just send me an email <laughs> <laughs> yeah that'll help us out move us up that way when people type in the word auto repair we come out close to the top of the list so more folks will listen to sure. us and that's what the show is all about. That it is. Preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.